Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. One Hope. Good morning, those who are online listening and watching today. Before I get into the teaching today, the day is almost here, okay? In two weeks, our fall merch is coming out, all right? And I want to show you one of the hoodies that is there. There's a bunch of stuff, and I know you you love every time that we have our new One Hope merch, but I'm going to tell you, um, if, if, if you're not part of One Hope, you don't know what goes on as we do this a couple times a year because, one, we raise money for a partner in ministry, um, Destiny's Rescue. All the, all the profits go to that ministry. Um, they're involved in the sex trade, child trafficking um, ministry um, around the world, and so we go to support them. The second thing is we love hearing the stories of when you wear this and people having conversations with you about hope. We just, this is part of that name change a couple years ago is we think the number one thing people need in this world is to be reminded there is hope and anything we can do to create those conversations about Jesus that we do and so we hear people tell us all the time I wore my shirt the conversation came up and maybe it's about the story of what Jesus has done your life or you begin to talk about church and make that connection and so um, in two weeks in two weeks um, the, the all the stuff will be out and you'll be able to get that and so um, I've already been asked this morning are those the new hoodies and there's a bunch of stuff all right there's a bunch of stuff and so that's coming up in a couple weeks um, but I'm excited to teach today get the to the to the next um, part of this series but before we begin can I pray as we walk into this um, um, this conversation today and just ask God to speak to us um, um, God, um, today you have a word for us. You have truth for us. God, we come and we bring your scripture. We want to apply it to our lives, so help us speak, speak that into our lives today. Also, God, you see what's going on in the world around us. God, you see what's going on in the era of Israel this morning. And God, we also pray for the people there that you bring safety, you bring protection, you bring peace, you bring your will to be done in that place, God. And so we remember them this morning. And then for all the other churches that are worshiping today, God, may your presence be alive, may it be powerful, may you change lives for your glory. In your name we pray, amen. So when I was 11 years old, 1991, you can do the math, 11 years old, Something came out that was truly fascinating to me. Three people, an engineer, a 3D artist, and a programmer, made something called the magic eye. Do you know, have you ever seen those before? Show them the picture of the magic. You ever seen these before? You ever seen these? Have you ever stared intently for minutes after minutes after minutes trying to see into these magic eyes? It was Wednesday night. The college kids were at our house, as they often are. And three of the ladies that were part of that group said, Pastor Scott, we're not going to be there Sunday, so can you tell us what the message is going to be? Kind of let us know what it's about. And I said, yeah, let's go into it. And so funny, like uh, the other college kids are around and I'm just like preaching up a storm in the middle of, you know, right by the door. I'm giving it to them, right? But I talked to them about this idea of the magic eye and they looked at me. And they have no idea what I'm talking about. And it was in this moment I'm reminded, when I first came to One Hope, I was 25 and I was the young guy in the room. 
And I'm talking about something that happened in 1991, and they have no idea what I'm talking about. And so I was reminded, I was humbled again, Scott, you're not the youngest in the room anymore. So maybe you don't know what magic eyes are, but these, were, these came out in the early 90s, like I said, and the goal of these images were that you would look intently into them, and eventually you would see an image inside the image. Something that wasn't on the surface, but it was in there. If you focused, spent the time, what happens when you would see it, this, this whole revelation, or this, this new vision would happen, you begin to go, wow, I didn't know that was in there, but it's one of those things when you saw it, you couldn't unsee it. If you're looking at that one, I think Bradley told me there's a dolphin in it. I don't know. There, there's a dolphin in that one. Um, but you couldn't unsee it. It changed how you would view that piece of art. So if you've never done that, maybe download one today and see if you can find it. But I want to talk about the magic eye, this thing from the past. Because the scripture we're going to look at today, this happens to the three disciples in the story that moment of revelation that moment of vision happens to our disciples today and so a story that changed their lives see we're continuing this series that we started five weeks ago called the god of okay and we're we've been having this conversation week one I kind of laid out the concept that god is is not limited by time or place or or or, or space that, that a man had, had, had vastly underestimated God's power and it changed his life forever. And the application is God doesn't get to be, he's not to be compartmentalized in our life into spaces, but he is to have everything. We had that conversation first week. And, and so the rest of the weeks, so the next four, we're talking about where God works, where God moves, that he is the God of. And so we've talked about the God of the mountains. We've talked about he's the God of the valleys, he's the God of the sticks, and he's the God of the stones. And so we walked through that. And so today we're actually going to actually circle back and go to the God of the mountains again, except we're going to make a transition this week. Because this week we're going to go from Old Testament, we're going to go to New Testament. We're going to go from Old Covenant to New Covenant. We're going to look at the God of, but how that worked in Jesus' life. How did this conversation play out in the life and ministry of Jesus? And so today we're going to look at a story that, took, that is written about in three of the four Gospels. But we're going to look at how it's depicted by the author Matthew, all right? So if you have your, your Bibles, you get your phones, and, and all the things to connect with that, we're going to go Matthew chapter 17 today, and we're going to see a story of how God really worked in a mountain. Now, what was fun for me this week is this is actually a topic I've never spoken on before. This is a story I don't remember ever sharing before, and so it was fun for me this week, and I'm going to remind you, that this is where scripture is so powerful that I'm reading this story again and I know this story and you know this story but I really enjoyed how God spoke to me in new and fresh ways as I went back and I dove in and so the God of Matthew 17 can I read verse 1 through 8 it said after six days 
Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now while he was speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the clouds said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Jesus does a work in this mountain. And new revelation always changes how you see something, right? New revelation always changes how you see something. And in this moment, Jesus is going to reveal himself in a way that the three disciples, particularly Peter, it seems, never seen him before. But why? Why does this moment need to happen? And this is often a question that I ask as I read scripture. I look and go, what is the point of this story? One thing, why did it have to happen, but why did even the author include it? What was going on? Let me tell you why I think this moment is so important. Just before this, in chapter 16, particularly starting in verse 13, we see a very famous moment happen. Jesus and the, and the disciples are in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And, and I tell you this, is when we take our trips, Lord willing, we know what's going on right now, but Lord willing, we go in 2025 back to Israel. We will go to Caesarea Philippi and we will have this conversation where this happened. But they're in Caesarea Philippi and Peter makes a bold proclamation about Jesus. In this moment, Jesus asks him, Who do you say that I am? And Peter's reply is, Well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say that you are Elijah. Some people say you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But I say that you are the Messiah. Now, Jesus responds to Peter by saying, Hey, listen, that belief... That statement of faith, this is what the church is going to be built on. That understanding of who Jesus is. And the church will never be overcome. This is a big moment in Peter's life. It's almost like he had this pop quiz and Jesus lays it on him. Who do you say I am? And he passes. A plus. Peter knows who Jesus is. Peter understands who Jesus is. It's right here. Peter's like, I got it. People say this, but I know who you are. And in this moment, you go, yeah, Peter, he's got it. He's ready to go. He has an understanding, a vision of who Jesus is. Except, except only a couple verses later. A couple moments later, in chapter 16, we see Jesus is telling the disciples, listen, I've got to go to Jerusalem. 
and a bunch of things are going to happen, including I'm going to die and then I'm going to raise again three days later. And Matthew tells us that Peter takes Jesus to the side and he says, listen, I'm never going to let that happen to you. Jesus, you're my guy. I've got you. I'll never let that happen. And Jesus says the famous words in verse 23. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then he goes on to tell the disciples, yeah, I'm going to die, but you're going to have to die as well if you're going to follow me. There's going to be a death in your life, and we know it's a spiritual death that's going to happen. But hear me on this. Peter thinks he knows who Jesus is. Think, Peter thinks he's got a vision of who Jesus is when he declares, yes, you're the Messiah. You're the one that's come to save us. But Jesus puts him in his place and basically says, you think you can see it. You think you know, but you don't get it still. Which leads us to today's story. It says six days later there they are they're on this mountain and elijah and moses show up and let me tell you why this is such a big deal moses we've been talking about moses this past month we know moses is a superhero of the jewish faith moses was used by god to get the jewish people out of slavery in egypt he was used to give the law which we learned in week something three i don't know what it was but this was the framework of the relationship that god was going to have with his people that they never had before and the law was for them not something to hold them tight and, and restrict them it was to free them up to be in relationship with him this is what god did through moses and elijah elijah's a superhero the prophet superhero i mean elijah didn't even die and go to heaven he just went straight to heaven moses and elijah they're the it people in the history of the jewish faith and they've done incredible things and peter knows this and it seems that maybe peter even puts them on the same level as jesus in this moment he says hey i'll get us three tenths and one for elijah one for Moses, and one for you, Jesus. And many people believe that in this moment he's revealing that, 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 that Peter's understanding still of Jesus is that he's the Messiah the way they've always talked about the Messiah, that Jesus was going to come back and do superhero things and rescue Israel again. It seems like Peter has an understanding of Jesus that he was going to get Israel out of the mess that they found themselves in just like Moses did. That maybe he has a voice in the world like Elijah had a voice in the world. But then God speaks up. 
Then God speaks, and he's like, listen, Jesus is not just a superhero like these people. Jesus is greater than the law. Jesus is greater than the prophets. He, and he says, listen, this is my son, and you need to listen to him. And it's in this moment you see their posturing changes in God's voice. They just are terrified. They go to the ground, and, and they're just like, whoa, God is in our midst. I think it's in this moment they get new revelation they get new vision and they're seeing something that they didn't originally see and it's in this moment Jesus leans down he touches them and they open their eyes and he's like don't be afraid it's me that's here but you're going to see me in a whole new way why was this moment needed? The disciples needed this moment because Jesus wasn't going to be there forever. The disciples were going to carry on the movement that Jesus started long after he was gone. The disciples were going to be the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere they went. They needed a new vision to see Jesus for who he was because it was going to change some things about their life. And I think this moment was a pivotal moment for these three people because then they would carry it to the rest of the disciples and I think they would carry this moment for the rest of their lives because it was in this moment. One of the things that changed is this new vision of Jesus changed their relationship. If you're note takers, this is the first thing. This new vision of Jesus changed their relationship. In the early 2000s, there was a movement that started in the Christian clothing world. I began to see t-shirts marketed to Christians, and on the front of the t-shirt, um, this is what you would see. Never see those? Began to see these churches. Jesus is my homeboy. And I completely understand the motive behind this. For many people, their view of Jesus was that he was distant and off, far away. There was this feeling of it was God in heaven, me down here, and this big gap in between. There was a feeling that Jesus was this, um, he, he, all he cared about was you, you act the right way and then I'll be pleased with you. And it, it, there, For some people, there wasn't that relationship of closeness. So I get, I feel like I get where these people are going. Jesus is my homeboy, meaning he's being brought down in almost a manageable way. It was an attempt to put Jesus in the, this close place in people's lives. But I also think there was a miscalculation in this that has a chance to hurt people and their understanding of Jesus. That Jesus is as close as a friend, but that is not the full picture of Jesus. Jesus is king on a throne over the whole earth. 
And as much as Jesus is my homeboy, I think it was well-intentioned, I think there was a chance that there was an error in this intention. There is maybe the same error that Peter was making when he was um, having the conversation of who Jesus was and trying to be that close to Jesus and go, this will never happen to you, Jesus. His misunderstanding of Jesus. That maybe the error is we try to bring Jesus down to our level versus understanding we have to understand and see him as who he is, that he is, as God said that day, the Son of God. He was here in the beginning, and he will be here when he comes back. Jesus died because no one else could. That Jesus showed us how a perfect life is lived. The truth is Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is to be honored. He is to be respected. He is to be revered for who he is. And I think Peter needed to see Jesus as who he was so his relationship could change. That Jesus, I mean, I think that Peter needed Jesus to be as close to him in proximity, but still be king in authority. I think Peter needed to learn both of these things. Yes, Jesus wants to be close, and Scripture says he is our friend. But Peter also needed to see he didn't just come to get Israel out of their mess and the physical things. He was the Son of God, and he was coming as God incarnate in front of them. And he was king. Because when his relationship with Jesus changed, the new vision of Jesus now changed their responsibility. Okay? So it changed their relationship, but then it changed their responsibility. Because if Jesus is king, hear me, if Jesus is king, then... His agenda was to be their agenda. His mission was now to be their mission. Because you know, like I know, if a king has a plan, you don't have a choice but to get in alignment with the plan that the king puts out there. He is the authority. He gets to set course for the lives of the people that he's over. And he showed how this worked. In John, it tells us, Jesus says, the God, God the Father is working, and I am working too. And there's a partnership in this. He was doing the work of the Father here on earth. He showed us how it would be done. And when Peter, James, and John heard God declare, this is my son, listen to what he says. I think it was to change not only their relationship, but change how they were supposed to live their life. It changed how they were supposed to follow him. That their responsibility was now to carry out the work of their Lord, not their own plan. So changed. New vision changed their relationship new vision changed their responsibility and new vision would change their future as they saw jesus for who he was it changed their future here's why 
Here's why. When they attached themselves to the king, their future was going to be different. When they attached themselves to the one who was in control, their future was going to be different. When his kingdom was going to reign forever and ever, their future was going to be different. If this was their truth, the kingdom they cared about more was going to be different. In Jesus, their hope for eternity in heaven was going to be different. But their hope for today also changed as well. See, when Jesus became king, they need to be less concerned about the kingdom that they saw in front of them and care more about the kingdom of God that he was bringing. And this would change their future. When the kingdom of God became their focus, everything changed about their today and everything changed about their tomorrow. Listen, if you were attached to the king and the king had control, then think about the unlimited possibilities that now could happen in their life. When you were, you were connected, attached to the one, could make all the calls, was above everything. Now, what could happen in your life was endless. Their future was changed forever. They're no longer attached to a broken, fragile kingdom. They were part of the powerful kingdom that came and changed everything. When the new vision of Jesus changed, their future changed forever. Their eternity changed. Their tomorrow changed. It changed everything. I think this moment on the mountain changed their lives. This moment on the mountain changed their today, it changed their tomorrow, and it changed their eternity. And I want this moment on this mountain to not only change their lives, how does it change ours? And so the questions are simple for our lives today. If it changed their relationship, the question for you and me should be, how is our relationship? The question for you today is, how is our relationship? Do you need new vision of Jesus today? How do you view Jesus? Is he more than a homeboy? Is he more than just a friend? How you view Jesus changes things. And I think that we can be in church, even grow up in church, and need a new vision of who Jesus is in our lives. That I think sometimes we lower Jesus to our level. 
And then what happens is now our relationship isn't built on honor and fear or respect, uh, isn't on reverence to God. It's like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But we don't put him on the seat of authority and in, as king in our lives the way we should. And then what happens is our actions depict that. That if Jesus is our friend, then we have a model of life, how we treat friends, how we associate with friends, how we interact with friends. And it limits our relationship because Jesus comes down to our level versus him putting up. And we then begin to have this relationship with the one who is over everything, who was there and will be there, beginning and ending. That I think sometimes we forget to put Jesus where he belongs, and then it changes our dynamic and our relationship. So how is your relationship with Jesus? For some, have you walked away from a relationship with Jesus? And need to be reminded he deserves us to give our lives to him because he is the king. This goes back to the first week. If Jesus is king, the son of God, then we don't give him parts of us. We give the whole thing. And based on your relationship, does Jesus get all of you? Or does he get parts of you? How is your relationship with Jesus today? The second one lines up with what happened to the uh, disciples as well. Does your purpose in life line up with your view of Jesus? Does your purpose in life line up with your view of Jesus? Purpose is a funny thing. We all want purpose in life we all want to know that what we are doing matters we all want to know that when i wake up in the morning i'm important in this world the disciples were no different than you and i they were humans with this instinct to matter in life that's why when Jesus calls them, and, and they were fishermen, and he goes, I want to call you out to something else, they were excited that this rabbi would call them into purpose for their life. When they saw Jesus, I think it amplified, oh, our purposes change. We are now connected to the one who sets the course for everything. And I think it changed when they came off the mountain. I have to believe, while they're still growing, they're still learning, they're still all things, but they were in alignment with Jesus in a new way. And can I say that you can believe in Jesus, you can give your life to Jesus, and still live in the purpose of, 
that you want to have for your life, for your conclusions. When the king says, this is our mission, we don't have a choice to say yes or no. That's why we need to see Jesus as king. So when he, he gives mission, it's always a yes. My purpose is your purpose. And I believe that people get entangled in life. Intention is filled. And we feel sometimes empty. And we feel sometimes like I don't. Because our purposes are personal, not of the king. And you don't have to be in any particular job, any particular field to be on purpose for the king. But you do have to be willing to say, today in where you have me, my purpose will be the purpose of the king, which is to point people to Jesus and that his kingdom would come on this earth and his will would be done. what it says that may you care first about his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else then will happen when you wake up in the morning be honest when was the last time you said God what's your mission for my life today when was the last time you said what is my purpose with you today Have you ever woke up and said, God, I want my purpose to be aligned with you today. Wherever I go, may you go before me and I align myself with you. Have you ever done that? This past week, did any day you wake up and say, I want to do it this way? If you viewed and I view Jesus where he belongs, I think we would ask that question more. I think we would pray that more. The third thing is your future wrapped up in Jesus or this earth. We talk a lot about eternity. And can I tell you, salvation is about where you will end up in eternity. But I also think that is such a limiting way to look, look at what salvation does in our life. Salvation is about saving us for the future, but it is also about saving us for the present where we live today. And any theology that focuses too much on heaven and forgets today is limiting in who Jesus wants you to be and how you live. Our future can be thought about for heaven, but we still want to live on this earth today. And then we try to maximize everything this earth has for us. And we try to, we want to make my, my, my future on this earth really good. And so we gather all that we can gather. We have mindsets that I've got to do everything I can to make my time on this earth matter. And I get it. But the problem is, as we read this summer, in Philippians, Paul tells us that we are foreigners here. This is not our home. That we were made for heaven. But while we're here, God can change our every day. Going 
back to that's why our purpose can't connect to just what we want it has to be his purpose for our lives are we what are we attaching ourselves to in regards to the future does jesus have your life today and for eternity those disciples are up on the mountain and they're seeing Jesus in a brand new way and I think Matthew include this story because he wants people to read this and say you need to see Jesus in a brand new way that if we focus on him if we intently look at him, we eventually will see an image inside of what we have seen. So I talk about the magic eye. You get this, right? That we originally can see Jesus in a new way, but if we focus our attention on him, we begin to see, oh, there's more. And when we see more, we can't unsee it. And as we see this image inside the image, oh, Jesus, there's more to you, then it should change how we operate with him. I think this is where freedom is found in Jesus. When we see him how he wants to be seen, that our relationship with him would change. Our responsibilities every day would change. Our future would change because he is the king. He is to be revered. He is to be honored, not just with our mouth, but with our lives because he is the authority over everything. And the possibilities for your life, when you see Jesus for who he is, and then give your life to Jesus, is, is incredibly different than if you walk this earth with the strategies and the, the sight, the vision of what this earth cares about. So what I'm hoping to say to you, and I'm hoping you'll receive today, is will you see Jesus in a new way? And will that new vision change your life? Will you be like the disciples when God speaks and says, this is my son, listen to him? Will our response be, yes, God, help me see Jesus in this new way, and I will listen to him. My life will listen to him. Because Jesus is nothing like ever that's come on this earth greater than and may our life give that picture to the world as we follow him so will you pray with me today God you know my prayer for this morning was will you help us see you in a new way God, there are people watching and listening and there are people in this room right now who God they have a limited view of you I know this because, God, you're showing me every day your greatness, greatness in ways I've never seen before. So I know that I'm growing in my vision. And I believe, God, that you want to help everyone grow in their vision of you because you want to change how we see you so our relationship can change. So that we will, how we walk through this earth will change. And God, that our hope will be found in your son Jesus for today and the future. 
So God, in my prayer today, if anybody is putting their hope in anything else, I pray they'd see you. And the response would be, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me for putting my hope in anything else. Forgive me. My life is yours. And help me to see you for who you are in greater ways. So God, will you help one hope? See your son, Jesus. God, that he is over everything. God, that he is as close as a friend, but he is the king on the throne. And God, if anybody needs anything today, may we bring it to you. Because when you decide to move, everything changes. And we need that from you today. Thanks for loving us. Thank you, God, for showing us who Jesus is in this moment. And we celebrate that today. It's your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.